Blog Talk Radio. In these pages, we will be surprised to find pieces of our own stories asking us to know ourselves better, realizing that life goes on, filled with hope and work, progress and achievement in every sector of cosmic life in keeping with God's laws. Hello, dear friends of Kardec Radio, and welcome back to And Life Goes On. My name is Francisca Fienbach. And I am Mackenzie Mellon. Hi, Mackenzie. How are you today? I'm doing all right. Hey, friend, where's uh, Hermine? I don't I don't hear her today. Well, Hermine's got a playmate today, so we are all by ourselves. <laughs> oh, so no no more good comments, Dean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> next time, next time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, dear listeners, we started last week with the first chapter of the book, And Life Goes On, and we got to know one of the main characters, Evelina, and were introduced very briefly to the second main character, which is Ernesto. So before we jump to the second chapter of this book, the reading and the comments about it, let's just take a moment to elevate us to the higher spheres. So that we may tune in to the spirit world, asking for protection, for guidance, for the good spirits to help us understand today's chapter with an open heart and an open mind. So that we, the readers and studiers, can make the most out of the teachings. We're very grateful to be together again with all of you, the Kardec Radio community. All of us listening from around the world and joining in at this moment for this study about the life in the spirit world and the understanding of our existence here on earth. So we thank you, dear God, our Creator, for one more day, one more opportunity of being gathered in your name and coming closer to you by understanding the laws that govern the universe a little bit better. Now, we have permission to start our study tonight. So be it. So be it. At the Door to a Closed Friendship is the title of Chapter 2. So let's listen now to the reading of it and discuss in a few moments. Enjoy. And life goes on. 
Chapter 2 At the Door to a Close Friendship Soon thereafter, a small carriage came into sight, moving very, very slowly. As he watched the horse gradually drawing nearer, the gentleman asked Evelina, I know you need to rest, but if you would accept my invitation for a trip around the Thermal Springs? Thank you. She responded, But I can't. For now, rest is the best medicine. True. Our case doesn't allow for any bumps on the road. The small carriage passed by very close to the quiet nook. Both of them saw why it was moving so slowly. It had evidently been in an accident and displayed a broken wheel as it moved along with difficulty. Meanwhile, the young coachman was now on foot, guiding the animal with great care, leaving it almost rain-free. Mrs. Serpa and her new friend followed them with their gaze until they disappeared around the next corner. Fantini smiled broadly and said calmly, Mrs. Serpa, she cut him short with another open smile and corrected him in a friendly tone. Call me Evelina. I believe that since we both share a rare disease, we have the right to a casual friendship. Fine with me, said Fantini, and he added, and from now on I shall be just Ernesto to you. He rested his pale hand on the back of the large bench and continued, Dona Evelina, have you ever read anything about spiritualism? No. Well, I would like to tell you that that carriage reminded me of some notes I took yesterday while I was studying. The interesting writer I've been reading, though using a definition that he himself considers superficial, understands the human being to be threefold, much like the carriage, the horse, and the coachman, the three of them working together. How could that be? asked Evelina, accentuating her surprise and looking at him jokingly. The carriage would correspond to the physical body. The animal may be compared to the spiritual body, that is, the molder and sustainer of the phenomena that ensure our physical life. And the coachman symbolizes our spirit, that is, our true self in the mental governance of our life. A damaged carriage, like the one we just saw, would represent a sick body, and when the vehicle becomes completely useless, the driver abandons it to the scrap heap of nature and climbs back upon the horse so that both of them may continue the journey. This, of course, happens at death or discarnation. Now useless, the physical body is returned to the ground, whereas our spirit clothed in the envelope of subtle matter that conditions its earthly existence, then begins to live on another plane, where the garment of denser matter is no longer useful. Evelina laughed, though with all due respect for the speaker, and argued. A clever theory. You talk about death, but what happens to this trio while we are asleep? For good reasons, during physical sleep, the three elements take a rest that varies from driver to driver, or rather, from spirit to spirit. When we sleep, the heavy vehicle or physical body always rests, but the spirit behaves much, much differently. For instance, 
After the driver and the horse have had a heavy meal, both of them will rest, and consequently, so will the carriage. On the other hand, if the coachman is in the habit of studying and serving, then, while the carriage is in the shop for repairs or in overhaul, he uses the horse for instructive trips or worthwhile tasks. At other times, if the driver is still quite unskilled, inexperienced or fearful of the trip, then, whenever the carriage needs repairs, he will probably hang around somewhere near the repair shop, waiting for the carriage to be fixed in order to take it up again, much like armor for self-defense. Evelina showed disbelief and objected. I don't know a thing about spiritualism. Do you profess any religion in particular? Yes, I'm Catholic. I'm not a fanatic, but I try very hard to live according to the principles of my faith. I believe in our priest's teachings and practice them. Good for you. All sincere beliefs are to be respected. I envy your absolute trust. You're not religious? I wish I was. I'm just a searcher for the truth, a free shooter in the field of ideas. And you've been reading about spiritualism just to entertain yourself? To entertain myself? Oh no. I read about it because I have to. Have you forgotten, Dona Velina? We're about to undergo a surgery that could be fatal. We might be packing our bags for a very long trip. From which nobody returns. Who knows? I get it, smiled the young woman. You study spiritualism like a traveler who wants to learn about the currency, language, customs and fashion of a foreign country he intends to visit. Concise information, a quick course. I admit it. I've had a lot of time on my hands lately and I'm using it as best I can in everything that relates to the knowledge of the soul, especially life after death and communication with spirits the supposed inhabitants of other spheres. And have you found any proof of such communication? Have you had any direct messages from any of your dead loved ones? Not yet. Isn't that discouraging? Not at all. Well, I prefer my serene beliefs. Trust without doubt. Prayer without mental torment. Your inner faith is a blessing and I sincerely respect your religious contentment. But what if there is another life waiting for us, and what if questions do arise in your soul? How can you say that if you haven't yet gotten the confirmation that we do go on living? I cannot doubt the testimonies of the scholars and people of irreproachable character who have confirmed it. Well, said Evelina good-naturedly, you shall be with your researchers and I with my saints. I have no objections about the excellence of your advocates, replied Fentini in the same tone. But I cannot stop my thirst for knowledge. Before I got this disease, I was extremely confident about life. I was in charge and didn't have the faintest idea about the existence of this or that organ in my body. However, a tumor in the adrenal glands is nothing to sneeze at. It is a sort of ghost announcing difficulties and forcing me to think, reason, discover. Are you afraid of dying? Joked the young woman. 
Not really. Are you? Well, I don't want to die. I have parents, a husband, and friends. I love life, but... But? If God has determined that my time is up, I resign myself to it. Don't you have any other problems? Haven't you ever suffered the influence of the ills that torment us day after day? Don't tell me you're going to examine my conscience now. I already have to account for myself to my confessors. And laughing easily, she added, huh. I accept the evil others do to us as part of the redemption of our sins before God. However, the bad things we do are stripes that we inflict upon ourselves. As such, I try to watch myself. That is, I realize that I mustn't hurt others. And because of this, I seek in confession an antidote that from time to time inoculates me, preventing my bad inclinations from surfacing. It's remarkable that a person of your intelligence would resign herself to confession so willingly and sincerely. Of course I have to choose a priest I can trust. I don't want to buy heaven through calculating means. Instead, I want to struggle against my imperfections. That's why it wouldn't be right for me to open up my heart to someone who couldn't understand or help me. I see. Continuing the conversation based on respectful trust, Mrs. Serpa considered. Believe me, I too have lived more carefully in light of my disease. So much so, that on the day before coming here, I aligned myself with my religious obligations by going to confession. Of all the matters I entrusted to my old confessor, I can tell you the most important one. No, no, too much information stammered Ernesto, surprised at the caring willingness with which Evelina was expressing herself. Why not? We've been talking as if we were old friends. You can tell me how you're preparing for the possibility of death, but I can't talk about mine. They both burst out laughing, and during a longer pause in their dialogue, they looked at each other meaningfully. Both of them looked a bit frightened. That mutual look told them they had taken a big step toward a close friendship. Where had I seen this young woman before, so favored by beauty and intelligence? wondered Ernesto, puzzled. Where could I have met this mature, intelligent gentleman before, who radiated so much sympathy and understanding? wondered Mrs. Serpa, unable to hide the pleasant surprise that had come over her. The interlude continued for a few disconcerting seconds while the sunset combined colors and shadows around them, announcing that nightfall was near. Translator's Note In Brazilian society, Dona is a term of respect that is used with a woman's first name. So, dear friends, here we are at the door to a close friendship, and um, I have something to say prior to starting the discussion of the chapter, which is, in in some sense, at this very moment, uh, me and Francisca, despite you've been hearing us here together for quite a while now, if you've been following Kardec Radio, we only met, um, what, virtually, friend? 
Uh, we never actually met like Fantini and uh, Evelina, um, even for a few seconds. But we yeah. developed <laughs> this uh, this close friendship, and that's one of the reasons why we are we are here together. You know, studying together, and which uh, uh, and and they are are right here right now at this door, at the, you know, opening this this door to this close friendship, and uh, it is uh, it is very sane. This chapter is is tells me a lot because you know you never know who you're going to find, who you're going to meet, and at the moment that you meet, you don't know exactly what's going to happen, of course, but then. You find yourself opening up. You find yourself like um, opening the doors to to a, a person that's uh, close to you, and you don't know exactly why. And that's uh, that's something that that happened in this chapter. If you and of course you you heard you heard the the reading of of the chapter, and you know that uh, very very uh, shortly after they met, they already started. Uh, really being being close and they they still don't know exactly why and we will find out later but um it is interesting that how how things happen how you meet other people and how uh, you develop these 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 friendships or you know and the the excuse here of course is that they have the same disease and to which they will they will mention a few times. We already know that they both have similar disease, if not exactly the same. And uh, and as to at, at the end of the the meeting of, of this chapter, um, say, oh no, not 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 as Nesto Evelina says, uh, hey, uh, we have the same disease, and uh, you told me your part, and now you don't want me to to tell my part, and then they both laugh. And that's when they they realize that their that friendship is is really starting to to catch up. But before getting to to the end of the chapter, what happens as they uh, as we saw last week, they are you know Ernesto approaches her, starts talking to her, and um, now they are sitting and uh, talking. So there's this this car, this small carriage. Um, that comes and it's pulled by a horse um, with uh, this this coachman, and Ernesto invites her to to go on a ride, and she said, "Oh no, it's better if we rest." And one thing that I find interesting, the way Andre Luis writes here, is that, "Oh, okay, yeah." When Ernesto says, "True, our case don't allow for any bumps on the road," so it is interesting that he made this this joke. So we can kind of see that. Ernesto is this this person that likes these kinds of, of small jokes and small uh, things here and there. So it's kind of a trait of his personality. So it is very interesting. They notice that this carriage is kind of broken. Uh, there's something happened to her. Then for them to break up, to, to break that, that ice that's still there, uh, he's, he still calls her by Mrs. And she says, oh, no, please, please let me... Uh, call me just by by my first name, to which he he complies. But there's something, and I remember, friend, that last week when I was talking about names and and how people call, and I remember um, uh, that I said 
that uh, when I was growing up in Brazil, and that's how people used to to call each other by the last name with you no know, being, being very formal and so on, and that it it's a trait of the time. Um, and even though Evelina tells him to call uh, for him to call her by her first name, even so, maybe to show how old or how respectful he is, he still doesn't call her by by her first name alone. He uses this particle that in Portuguese is very common, and that's how uh, he calls it here. And in the translation, he left the translator left the word as in Portuguese as well. It's called Dona Evelina, which is a respectful word to 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 put in front of a of a first name of a person, uh, of a woman especially. And um, so that's how the, the conversation all starts. But then they start to, uh, uh, he starts to, he, he uses the, the, the carriage that they just saw, the small carriage, and um, brings this idea that um, is, relates to spiritism. But as he says here, and he says it with, um, and as we know, it, it is correct to the way he says it's a spiritualistic idea, which relates in, in very deeply with uh, a spiritist concept of the carriage, the coachman and the horse, which is the division of ourselves uh, as incarnated uh, spirits, um, of having a body, of having a perispirit, which is a an envelope of the spirit of some sorts that can carry information from matter, from our body, our physical body, to the spirit, which is not material, is not, it doesn't have the same um, formation of matter. So, so that the spirit can communicate with matter, we need to have this intermediary, which is the perispirit. And here he says that the this Paris spirit would be the the horse, while the carriage itself would be our body, and the spirit itself would be the the coachman, the one who is riding or driving the horse and driving the uh, the the carriage. So he starts by asking her if she has ever seen uh, something like that, and. She is all confused because uh, we found out last week that she is Catholic, but he, uh, Ernesto, he still doesn't know uh, what religion or if even if she is religious or not at this moment. So it's intriguing that at this time uh, he starts asking her about this. But this is leads us to, or leads us back to last chapter when we realize now and we will see even more of this that depending on how we are at the moment that we are uh, the s different things will show up uh, and different we will get be interested by different things and at this very moment Fantini or Ernesto Ernesto Fantini he is interested in these ideas of spiritualism because he of course is feeling as if he is about to go to this big, big trip, and uh, it is. I, I find this chapter very, very interesting because um, 
Andre Lewis in, in, in making the connection between what they are saying and what they are talking about. Uh, it's all about traveling, right? We start with the carriage and then we're coming from one place to another. Uh, though they are static, they are sitting down on a bench, but it's like as if they are, they are going, they are moving because they are, you know, starting this new friendship. So they're, it is as if they are walking, as if they are going uh, to a different place, and uh, this idea of the carriage moving around and all these these ideas going back and forth uh, from spiritualism to Catholicism, as we are going to see, it is to me a very swaying chapter. I mean, you're, we are uh, floating around with them and walking and driving to this uh, better understanding of what we are as a as an incarnate spirit right here. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you mentioned now just this floating and swaying in the chapter because despite uh, that they are discussing serious matters about the life and death and the purpose of life, now we really can feel while reading the lightness in their conversation compared to the heaviness and the sadness when they were focusing more on their physical ailments in the previous chapter. And it's a really, I just want to repeat um, this image here because I think it was very well put here. I'm quoting, the carriage would correspond to the physical body. The animal may be compared to the spiritual body that is the molder and sustain of the phenomena that ensure our physical life. And the coachman symbolizes our spirit, that is our true self in the mental governance of life. A damaged carriage would represent a sick body. And when the vehicle becomes completely useless, the driver abandons it to the scrap heap of nature and climbs back on the horse so that both of them may continue the journey. I think it's just beautiful because if you read that, at least for me, I'm not afraid of death anymore because it's such a, it, it makes, it's short and concise, but it makes so much sense. And if you compare it or, well, in other words, put, um, talking about spiritism, the spiritual body, the pair spirit is the envelope around, um, us as spirits, our spiritual essence, and the body, the physical body, body is here for us to be able to uh, live and work in the material life. And when we discarnate, we do exactly that. The matter that we've taken from here in order to form our physical body is going to be left behind, it's going to go back to the earth where it came from, but we spirits, like on the horse, and the horse, you know, the horse ride is usually something joyful, um, and there's lightness in it. We spirits, with our spiritual body, parish spirit, we continue our journey in the spiritual world. So actually, um, there's nothing to be afraid of if we 
learn more and understand better what is expecting us on the other side. And um, like you mentioned, now Ernesto is thinking about these matters because, and he says it a bit, little bit later in the chapter, you know, when I was strong and healthy, I was really sure of life and what it was all about. But now that my body is in inverted commas failing me or I'm just confronted with things I don't understand. He said that he didn't even know the organs that are sick now because he was used to being healthy and that the machine, our body, is working for him to sustain his life. And now he starts to ponder and trying to understand there's this uncertainty what comes afterwards when the body is breaking down completely dying what is gonna be of him as Ernesto so he invites Evelina into this joyful conversation um, although for her it's really strange she is laughing you know and immediately asking okay you talk about death but what happens when we are asleep so she's following the thoughts and she's really there grasping doesn't mean that she believes in it but she understands the logic behind it and to answer her question he tells her that in physical sleep it depends on the driver so it depends on our spirits whether we are staying close to the body whether we are going to the spirit world on a trip of education depends on our habits like he says when uh, you know when the coachman is in the habit of studying and serving then the carriage is put for repairs and overhauls during the night, which is the physical body, because, you know, good spirits are working on it, helping us all the time to maintain our balance. And then if the coachmen, our spirits, are used to, to studying, then we can go on a trip and we are confident that our, our body is taken care of. And the third uh, example he gives or the third uh, way of of things that can happen is he says you know but if the driver is unskilled or fearful of the trip then he stays close by to the body um, so that's the that's the way um, when the spirit stays close to the body and kind of observing what's going on there and the first one, actually, I didn't put it in quite the right words, is uh, really, uh, it's funny, but it's the truth. The example, you know, it's like if you have a heavy meal, you just pass out. So your body passes out because it's difficult for it to, you know, it, it needs all the energy to work on the digestion. And, you know, as spirits, we are passing out too because the body is slowing us down. And when she hears that, she she starts to voice her disbelief 
claiming, you know, I don't know anything about spiritualism. And that's when I ask Ernesto ask more, so do you profess a religion? Because she had said that she is a Roman Catholic, but to be it or to live it are two different things. And, and that is, this is for any faith. It's not, it's not about Catholicism at all. So, and she says, you know, he put it, she puts it in a, I think, in a funny way as well. She says, well, you know, I'm not fanatic, but I try to live according to the principles and I believe what the priests teach us and practice. And, um, Ernesto is, uh, reminding us of saying, you know, good for you. All sincere beliefs are to be respected. And that's about religious tolerance that we all need to learn still because nobody has to become a spiritist. Nobody has to be of any kind of religion, but it is important to believe sincerely or better to know what life is about and how life continues after death. So um, we have this anchor and we we are able to to hold ourselves right yeah it is it is true and uh it, it is uh, powerful the way he says and the way she says it too i think like you said I, I also find it funny that she says that she's not a fanatic right or a fundamentalist no she doesn't uh, probably meaning she doesn't try to to convince anybody or you know it's it's there all the time or something like that. And he says it back, oh, no, I'm I'm glad that you are. And uh, I, I really believe that, you know, any, if if you um, follow your religion, whatever makes you feel more joyful and uh, part of real, part of, of the universe and re- recognizing that we need, we all need to do something because we are part of something bigger, uh, that's the probably the right place to to be at that specific moment, and uh, you're completely sure, friend. At least to what I see, to it's it's not and at in the least necessary to become whatever um, religions religion uh, become part of whatever religion, especially of spiritism. Uh, Alan Kardec uh, actually says at at one point that. Uh, spiritism is not something that you you would necessarily be, but it would be a complement to a lot of faiths. And he even says it in his own words. And of course, I'm not going to be able to quote his perfect words. I don't remember the exact words, but fa- paraphrasing him, he would say that there are Catholic spiritists, there can be Muslim spiritists, Jew spiritists, Buddhist spiritists, why? Because spiritism uh, broadens up the ideas, opens up the mind to show and to confirm a lot of the main teachings of all the religions. So it's not something to be necessarily exclusively, but you can be a spiritist without, of course, having to follow or being following any other religion. But uh, spiritism helps us uh, increase our faith in in most of the teachings of of all religions, or at least those teachings that really lead us to to a better life, to a better, not material life necessarily, but to a better spiritual life, or as you said last time uh, on the last chapter, 
as uh, a better uh, original life, a better uh, spiritual life, a better life in in itself, not just the, the material part that we are living here. So, uh, a quick thing when you were when you were uh, talking about the the carriage, I um, uh, I had this this brief brief idea, which I I find it to be very amusing as well, is uh, that. Uh, the beginning of the chapter is Ernesto inviting Evelina to to this road trip, right? And of course she says, "Oh no, it's not. Let's not. I need to be here. I need to rest." And uh, but isn't it interesting that he is, never mind, not going into this physical trip that he is making her and himself and us uh, go into this trip with him? I mean this philosophical trip, this trip of really shaking ourselves up, of taking ourselves of our comfort zone, isn't it to some degree, at least to Evelina and to some of us who are listening and reading and, and studying here right now, isn't this like a bump, bumpy road to some degree that we were not expecting what he was about to say, that she was not expecting what he was about to say, and since she is very young and she is apparently also very joyful and playful as well, um, she is enjoying the road. She is not like complaining. And although she says, oh, I know nothing about spirit, spiritualism, but she is there with him for the road, for the trip. And she is going on with with her ideas now. And then she will uh, exp explain in a few uh minutes in the conversation what she really believes uh, so it's a it's a fun trip i mean that he is taking her to and making her think and making us think as well so uh but w right after she says that she's a catholic and all that stuff and he says uh she asks if he is reading about spiritualism just to entertain herself himself and she, he says oh no 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 i read about it because i have to you know don't don't you remember that we are probably packing our bags for a very long trip so here again and once again the idea of the trip the idea of the bumpy road the idea of being prepared for the road ahead right and then she says from which nobody returns this is not a question she believes that so that's what she says and uh, he says, who knows? And that's uh, a moment or that's one of the, the bumps on the road, right? Because if she was expecting uh, him to say something else, she she would have asked. No, but she said that there is nobody returns. And he provides her with the question, who knows? And then I can't imagine the the look on her face at that moment. At that moment, it might have been a like a few seconds waiting for her to think about it and answer. When, then she says, I get it, as if she had never thought about it before. And remember, in the first chapter, she was asking herself, where is my father? What happened to my baby that was not born? Uh, so she was also thinking about it, because as we, when we study Spiritism, and uh, uh, Kardec explains something that's very, very critical for us to understand. He says, basically all religions 
are spiritualistic religions. Why? Because they all believe that we are, we are not just this body that we have. We are a spirit. We are something that's not just a bunch of cells and neurons like making connections and making all these words that I'm saying right now. No, we are something. We are this spirit. So she has this idea too, but it's something that she didn't put together yet. She never heard of it, she says. Never studied, never even heard about spiritualism. So, But now she says, I get it. So it is as if now she's starting to make sense of, okay, uh, she is a Catholic, right? So I know that Jesus uh, was, Jesus died in a cross, and after he died, he came back to talk to the disciples, to the apostles, and he talked with a lot of people. So, okay, uh, now that starts to make more sense. Of course, she's not saying this, but I mean, probably in the back of her mind, there's something happening there. And then she says it. You study spiritualism like a traveler who wants to learn about the currency, the language, the customs, and fashion of the foreign country he intends to visit. So I, I tend to, to say about that, that, you know, if we all know that we're going to die, and I was thinking about this when I was driving here today, friend. I was thinking about this trip and how so many people are afraid of, of, of dying or afraid of death. And like you said, with that image of the carriage, the coachman, and the horse, it makes it clear and makes us feel more comfortable. Not that we want it, and she will say that as well, not that we want it, but at least that we need to prepare for it. And that's what she says it here. Um, we need to prepare for this country that he intends to visit, and we need to know what is what it's all about so that we can be really prepared. Can you imagine going to the North Pole or to the South Pole and just packing slippers in a small T-shirt? Uh, we're going to die, right? Because it's going to be too cold. We're going to need something more to, to be there because that's the country we're going to. So here's the same thing. And he says, oh, I had a lot of hours, uh, a lot of time in my hands, you no know, free time because of all these things. So I'm exploring these these ideas so that I really can can be ready uh, to to get there. And when I get there, that's when she asks, right, friend? And have you found any proof of such communication? So that's my question to you, friend. Have you found any proof of this communication uh, between the deceased? Uh, and the living ones or the, the incarnate ones? Yeah, Mackenzie, that's a typical question that you will hear or that we hear whenever we talk about this concept. And, you know, for me, all the books that we have from Kardec, from Chic Xavier, etc., is the proof to know, not only to believe that life goes on, and also because it just makes total sense to me, all the other um, philosophies, for me personally, don't make any sense at all. But she doesn't like it. And it's again, it's like, why do we want a material proof of something that is beyond matter and spirituality, despite the fact that many scientists nowadays or for quite some time have been um, studying mediumistic phenomena and so on. But if science doesn't go beyond matter, how can it, you know, allow for the spiritual to enter into into the science too? And it's a good point because in spiritism, nobody wants to convince anybody. We are invited to study, to think a lot, 
and then draw the conclusions for ourselves. So nobody will force us to believe in anything we don't want to. But she she gives the the typical reply saying, "Oh, like isn't that discouraging?" And saying, you know, I prefer my serene beliefs, trust without doubt, prayer without mental torment. This blind belief into what others say, the church, the priest, whoever, and that's fine. But not going beyond and asking the questions, well, but hold on a minute, does it all make sense or doesn't? If it does for for you, fine. You know, and for her, it satisfied her. But the other thing that I wanted to say uh, just briefly is that at the end, she said about talking about the, the traveling, you know, you're doing a quick course because maybe his time is running out very soon. And the invitation I want to repeat here is for us to start. And if you're listening to us, you are to start to study about life goes on right now. Wherever we are, if we are really young or in the middle of our lives or, you know, if you're older, it doesn't matter. But now, today, right now, is the moment to start. Not when we are at the deathbed or when we are really sick. That's usually the the point in time or in life when people start questioning about these matters of life and death. But going back to that analogy of the carriage, the joy, the ride of our lives, the journey of our lives is ongoing. So that's why wherever we are, now is the time to start inquiring and questioning. And that's exactly what how Ernesto continues saying, you know, but what if, you know, what is with the questions that uh, arise in your soul? And, and and she says, you know, how can you say that if you don't have the confirmation, like in a direct communication? And he says, you know, I cannot doubt the testimonies of the scholars and people of in- irreproachable character who have confirmed it. And that's when she said, you know, okay, then you shall shall be with your researchers and I with my saints. And that's fair enough. You know, we're all... all allowed to have our own beliefs and they're talking in this very humorous very light way but he says you know I for me the questions are not answered I want I need I'm thirsty for knowledge I want to know and he's talking about it before the disease he had everything under control but now he feels pushed or forced to reason and to discover what's going on after death and then the typical question, are you afraid, afraid of dying? And they are both not really. Maybe it's the signs that they are receiving and the acceptance of where they are right now with a very sick body and a, a risky surgery uh, with no promise of a positive result. But she's says, you know, if God has determined that my time is up, I resign myself to it. So she does believe in a certain way, and it's uh, it's good for us when we can resign ourselves when our time is up, because we never know when, you know. She's not being rebellious. She's accepting um, her situation. What is interesting here, friend, if you allow me to jump in, is that, uh, like you said, and it's it's very true, uh, she's not been rebellious, she's resigned. 
But there's something that's really important that comes up with that, that she is also doing. She doesn't give up, right? Because sometimes people conf uh, people uh, mix uh, being resigned with giving up, and she's not giving up. I mean, she is resting to go and do a surgery. To give up means, okay, oh, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to die anyways, and this and that. No, she is. She wants to live. She doesn't know what's going to happen, and then she's confused. We heard that, and we saw that in the first chapter. But right here, she is resigned. She knows that it can happen. She accepts God's will, but she is she is there to fight for her life. She is there to rest. She is there to... to um, uh, be strengthened by that those those few days and go back to do the surgery, hoping that she will survive. She is not thinking of, of dying. Oh, I want to die. I want to escape this. No, she is uh, hopeful. She really wants to keep going. She really wants to go on with life, which is what any kind of religion should make us must make us do. Uh, know when to stop going way too further way too deep into uh, any kind of, uh, oh, I want to stay at any cost. But at, 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 but on the other hand as well, be resigned and say, uh, no, I want to keep going. I want to, to, to live. I want to be here because I still need to do something here. And that's what she is, she is uh, trying to do. And I think that's very, very, very sane about herself and about what you were, you were pointing out to that's, to be resigned and to know and accept the uh, what God has has in store for all of us, right? Yeah, that's true. And it's a moment of a little turn in the chapter as well, because then, um, in a way, Ernesto is probing her conscience and asks, "Yeah, so he asks, you know, haven't you ever suffered the ills, the tormentors day after day?" And she she's very sharp. She's very intelligent. You know, oh. Don't try to examine my conscience now. I have the confessors, confessors to do so. But then she explains a little bit about her thought, which is, you know, accepting the evil that others do as a redemption before God, but knowing that what what the bad that is really bad for us is the bad that we do to to others. And therefore, she tries to to work on herself, observing herself, trying not to hurt others, and. That is why for her the solution or the support in this inner reform is to go to confession for her to be alleviated from her bad inclinations. So for them to surface. And Ernesto is, is a bit surprised because he, he comments now, you know, wow, you're so intelligent, but um, you you believe in confession and you know, in that easily. And she explains more saying, you know, well, I do choose to whom I, I confess and I don't want to buy heaven that way so she's not bargaining with God saying you know I do the confession and then I will be better off but she wants to struggle against her imperfections this is similar for us because one of the main points of the spiritual teachings is the inner reform and the efforts we make every day to work on ourselves because it doesn't matter how many books we read, how many films we watch, how many talks we attend. But at the end, what really matters is what we take with us and in us. Our values, our thoughts, and our sentiments. 
So all the knowledge, if it's only theory, and that's why we're uh, repeating all the time and asking in the prayers to open our hearts and minds, because just reading, by reading, it doesn't matter, because when we only know in theory, but we're not able to put the teachings into practice, we don't really know. We have knowledge, but the knowing is not in ourselves. And she now is open. It's mentioned that there is respectful trust between them now. Because from not knowing each other at all, then being in the same boat with the situation, and talking about, lightly, but talking about these matters of life and death, they feel they have different opinions, but they feel close, and they are on the same wavelength in a way. And that's why she opens up saying, you know, I have lived more carefully since my disease as well. Um, and now she offers to, to tell him what she confessed before she came uh, to the place where they met. And then he said, oh, no, 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 that's too much. So the intensity of the relationship that has been developing, suddenly he put a stop and said, no, 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 it's he was asking, he was probing her conscience, but on the other end, he said, oh, okay, I've heard enough. So, and I guess it's when we are able to open up in such a way, it's not about how long we know. It's more like the feeling, like you said, you know, it's, it, it is as if, as if we were talking, um, or we talk in a way as if we were old friends, or as if we know each other intimately and deeply. But sometimes the connection occurs by the circumstances, by the interests, and by our own openness. Like Mackenzie mentioned, we never met in person. We've been in contact with each other for eight or nine years now. I started studying on, on e-spiritism when Mackenzie was my tutor, and then uh, we kept in touch and talked a lot. And then we started, I invited him to, to start the studies here on Kardec Radio with me. So, but we never met in person, but it doesn't matter. It's just that we have this connection and we have this openness that we can share some parts of our lives with each other. And that's just beautiful. So thank you very much for your friendship, Mackenzie. Oh, thank you. And uh, I'm glad that you said it was eight, eight nine years. It's, it looks like it's been a lifetime, but it's just like a small piece of of our lives but it's it's been a it's been a great ride and so much so much learned and so much to learn friend thank you uh i was while you were you were before you started saying that i started remembering that, that what i said in the beginning about our friendship again and uh it is interesting that uh a door was open to us and that's what they're doing here really it's uh they are opening this door and when he says when he says no, no, too much information. The way you you said it by laughing, I, I I was like, oh hey hey wait. I mean, I want to talk about myself, but uh, uh, I don't want to hear about you. And then it's like as if he has this this um, he's not ready yet. But she breaks breaks his his armor, breaks this his mask or to some degree, and says no no no. Right now. Uh, we we will be together. This this door was open. You wanna you wanna shut it on me? Now now it's not the time. And then they uh, they laugh, and that's when basically they stop talking for a while. Where we get to the end of uh, 
of the chapter, not before both of them within themselves thinking. And we can almost see if it was like a comic book, we would see that balloon popping up over their heads. And when they are, they are talking to themselves, where had I seen this young woman before so favored by beauty and intelligence? So he is amazed. And where have I seen this woman? And she says, she thinks to herself the same thing. Where could I have met this mature, intelligent gentleman before who radiated so much sympathy and understanding? And um, I could say the same thing to friend. Uh, you know, where have I, where I, where have I seen her before? Uh, this intelligent woman, you know, was born in a completely different country than I was in Germany, and I'm in I in Brazil now. She's back to Germany. I am in the United States, and the power of the internet, the power of communication. We are here talking and showing that life goes on. Here we can see it through the into the waves of the internet um, that we can communicate with the ones we care for, the ones we love when they're far away. And Spiritism is here to show us and to to open this world to us to say, hey, life goes on. We can communicate. We are much more than just this physical matter that we are carrying right now. This is a trip. Let's Let's keep traveling. We will never stop traveling, only here and there to stop and rest for a while, but then we will keep traveling more and more. Hopefully, friend, we will one day meet in person. Hopefully this year, if not this year, next year, if not next year, the other year, as we will uh, keep going and moving forward together, right? Yeah, we're very much looking forward to, to meeting you, Hamine and I, so... But that's all for today, dear friends. Next week, Chapter 3, And Life Goes On, A Friendly Adjustment. We wish you all many blessings and ponderings about the topics of tonight. And we're looking forward to being back with you on Cardiac Radio next Wednesday, 5 p.m. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time.